0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Amos 5 1 through 25. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Amos in your Bible. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen, no more to rise, is maiden Israel, forsaken on her land, with no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which marched out a hundred shall have ten left. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal or across over to Beersheba for gilgal shall surely go into exile and bethel shall come to nothing seek the lord and live or he will break out against the house of joseph like fire and it will devour bethel with no one to quench it ah you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground The one who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out onto the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name, who makes destruction flash out against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who reproves in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor, and take from them levies of grain, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, and how great are your sins, you who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, and push aside the needy in the gate. Therefore the prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord. In all the squares there shall be be wailing, and in all the streets they shall say, Alas, alas! They shall call the farmers to mourning, and those skilled in lamentation to wailing. In all the vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light? Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings, the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel?
1: Thanks be to God. Uh, That's the word of the Lord. Um, We're going to actually start with that video, and uh, Becky, if you could go ahead and play that.
2: The earth is covered in many different landforms. Landforms are natural features of the earth's surface like mountains, deserts, and plains. Although they may seem permanent, they are constantly changing, and much of that change is caused by a surprising force. Water. Water changes the land through erosion. Erosion occurs when the surface of the earth wears away. Water can break down rock and dirt and carry the particles away to another place. This changes the shape of the landscape. The ocean is a powerful cause of erosion. Waves beat upon the shoreline, breaking up rocks along the coast. Sometimes this forms cliffs. Other times it may form beaches. Still other times, it can create rock formations sticking up out of the water, called sea stacks. The way the ocean erodes the shore depends on how the water moves and what kind of rock the shore is made of. Rivers can make big changes in the land too, and the Grand Canyon is a famous example of this. Over many years, the Colorado River has carried away particles of dirt and rock, carving its path deeper and deeper into the ground. Today, the Grand Canyon is over 6,000 feet or 1800 meters deep and 18 miles or 29 kilometers wide in some places. Water does not have to be liquid to cause erosion. Ice can do it too. Glaciers are sometimes called rivers of ice because they are huge slabs of ice and snow that move very slowly across the landscape. As glaciers move, they break off and scrape away pieces of rock and stone. Glaciers can create many different landforms, including deep valleys, lakes, and fjords, as they carve their way across the land. Although water is not the only force that changes the landscape of our planet, it is an important one. Whether it's a whole ocean or just some rain, a little water can make a big difference. I hope you enjoyed learning about erosion caused by water today. Goodbye till next time.
1: I've realized that wasn't the most exciting video I could have shown. Um, especially with the ominous and slightly creepy music that just was on repeat. But um, uh, I, I, think, I think it, just stay with me. It proves my point, I think, I hope. I want to start at the end where this passage uh, ended up. Uh, Amos ends up saying, but let justice roll down like the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And, and we saw in that video just how significant water can be to shape the landscape. Uh, now I'm going to be a little metaphorical here, right? So I, I don't think Jesus is talking like we're supposed to have rivers of actual like, justice and righteousness, but that the way we act and work in the world is to be, well, like justice and righteousness. And, and that even the smallest little bits of water over time can create massive changes in the landscape. Uh, And so I I think that's where Amos is telling us, what he's saying to us to go, that that our actions, no matter how small they might be, when they are oriented towards righteousness and justice, can make significant impacts. Now, um, I last week's sermon was a was uh, was i don't know i didn't feel like i com- communicated it well enough and, and one of the things I, I think i didn't do was help us to understand what justice is um, and i I think uh, the word justice in for a lot of people has been co-opted by uh, different political ideologies uh and, and for some people um justice uh even though it sounds like a good thing, and we're talking about like, uh, especially if you put a modifier in front of it, like social justice. Um, like, I knew a guy on one side that said that at one time. A good Christian guy said, uh, "Social justice is a bad word. Like that that it, it, it was a had a connotation that that wasn't true to like who sh- who we should actually be because it it paid maybe too much attention to to people's bodies and not enough to their souls, perhaps." Um, uh, but what I want us to understand is that that justice, in all of the ways we might talk about it, as um, as maybe uh, people getting the consequences of what they deserve, right? So our our, our legal system, in a lot of ways, um, that justice is is maybe more um, uh, more of a, a movement towards restoration, right? So. Uh, even within our criminal justice systems there are places that that take people who have committed crimes and they work with them in counseling and in groups and the aim is not necessarily to punish them but to help them work towards becoming uh, a whole person that can live in society without causing injustice, hurt, and harm. Um, So so those are kind of different ways we may talk about justice. I, I think Maybe this quote from one of the commentators that I read. Justice is the claim of all persons to a full and equitable participation in the structures and dealings of the community and especially equity in the legal system. Uh, Justice for God from the very beginning was something that was baked into his relationship with Israel. It was part of who they were supposed to be. And uh, the the other term we have here in in this passage, uh, righteousness. So if justice is about us all together living in a community in which people are taken care of, where where needs are met, and and where uh, people who are strong are not taking advantage of people who are weak. Uh, if that's kind of the big overarching, righteousness is about, is maybe a little bit more personal. It's, it's the relationships that I have with you, uh, that you have with the people around you. It is a right relationship. That's quite literally what the word means. It is difficult. It is difficult to have a right relationship with somebody if you are um, doing injustice towards them. It is hard to have a good relationship if um, I'm kicking you in the shins every day. Like sooner or later, you're gonna get really tired of that. And it's gonna break the relationship between uh, between the two of us. Um, Justice and righteousness were God's plan for creation from the very beginning. They were planned for God's people from the very beginning. Uh, And and maybe we need to go back to... um, uh, how Israel gets to become a nation, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph's, right? Uh, Joseph's older brothers didn't like him. They wanted to kill him. One of the other brothers was like, no, let's just beat him up and throw him down this well. And then a caravan from Egypt came along, and they're like, okay, let's not leave him there to die. Let's take him and sell him into slavery. Okay, that's injustice, by the way. That's not justice. That's not righteousness. And so Joseph ends up in, in Egypt, and he, God ends up using it for all kinds of good things. And, um, and they end up bringing all the family down to Egypt and become a, a great nation. Uh, while they are there in Egypt, they become enslaved. Uh, and they are that way for like 430-ish years they have injustice enacted upon them in the form of slavery for very, very long and they cry out to God for salvation and he sends Moses. And he, Moses, you know, we know that story. Ten Commandments. Uh, well, plagues first, right? Brings them up out of, of Israel. Mount Sinai gets the law. And part of the law, the, the, kind of the basis of it is once, once you are small and insignificant once you had no one to fight for you, once people took advantage of you, once you were broken, and I rescued you from that. And so part of how you are going to live in this world is to live with compassion and generosity and justice towards those who used to be like you. Does that make sense? So what Israel emerges from, God wants to use to shape them. God wants them to never forget what was done to them and the, the, the violence and the injustice and, and the loss of life. Uh, he never wants them to forget that and, and do those same things for other people. Well, we've been, uh, we've been going through Amos, and um, uh, we've found that Israel has done pretty, pretty much what God has told them not to do. Uh, they have forgotten who they were, and where they come from, and what God had done for them. They had forgotten the promise, the covenant. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where God said, I will be your God, and I will take care of you, and you will be my people if, if you continue to live in justice and righteousness among yourselves and among the people around you, and if you don't serve their gods, and things like that. Uh, And so they have forgotten this, and so God sends prophets, and Amos is one of them, and and he goes and he announces God's uh, displeasure with them and his judgment on them. And, and, and I, re- I said at the beginning of this that, um, that this is a dark book, and, and I want you to hold with me because we are turning the corner towards a little bit brighter of things. I know it may not seem that way, but that is what is happening. Um, and so Amos continually reminds them of what they're doing, and, and we called you fat cows last week, and I promised not to do that this week. Uh, Amos made the point that um, it's not just those who actively engage in injustice, but those who benefit from that, too, um, that end up uh, having God's judgment on them. Uh, this chapter starts, though, uh, and, and there's a lot here, and I'm going to try to finish quickly because of because we, what we had before. Um, the image presented in this one, though, is that God's judgment is already here. It's coming. Uh, Amos says, Israel is like a maiden, So a woman who has not yet been married, and she has been killed, like in the prime of life. So much life ahead of her. And she's kind of been been slain. Uh, God says Israel is like a a city that sends out a thousand men into battle, and only a hundred come back. Uh, That is literally like the definition of decimated. The numbers work out. Just trust me. Um, like literally they've been decimated. Like this is Israel's, this is Israel's state. This is what is happening. The, the language of the text is in the present tense. Uh, and yet, and yet it was not all doom and gloom. Because at several points within, uh, within this text, we hear these words. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. In Amos' mind, in God's mind, Israel does not have to continue down the path of injustice and unfaithfulness to God that they go down. That, that if they turn and seek God, then, then, well, then God is going to forgive and redeem and restore. By the way, mercy, as I was reminded this morning in the Bible study, is a significant part of justice and righteousness. Seek me and live. But, but, he says, don't go to Bethel or to Gilgal or cross over into Beersheba. That's not a place where you buy beer. Uh, Or Gilgal, for surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. These were all important places of of religious worship. And um, what Amos is saying is, I want you to seek God and live. I want you to turn but I don't want you to do it in the ways that you think that you should do it by coming to a worship service and singing. Or, well, for them, offering sacrifices and things like that. He says, seek the Lord, but don't do it by going to church. Now, he doesn't want you not to go to church. I'm not saying that. What Amos seems to be saying, though, is that if you want to seek God and live... Your worship, how you praise God, has to be tied with how you live in this world. It has to be tied to justice and righteousness and faithfulness. Uh, we'll go a little bit farther. I'm gonna skip some stuff. The temptation when I do like a whole a whole chapter is to want to, like, go line by line, and if we did that, we would be here for years. Um, But I want to take us to, where where do I want to go? If We go down to verse 6, it's it's more. Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire. Uh, Verse 10, then, is where I think I want us to go. Uh, when the Lord the God has brought you into the land that He swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine and large cities that you did not build, that's Deuteronomy. Okay, I promise there was a reason for that. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you look at it, verse ten in here, and it says, uh, "They hate the they hate the ones who reprove in the gate." So the gate is a place of of. Uh, court and justice. They abhor the ones who speak the truth Uh, therefore because you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain you have built houses of hewn stone but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards and you shall not drink their wine for I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict righteousness you who take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. All of this is an allusion to, to Deuteronomy 6. Uh As God is giving Israel the law, he says this. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that you swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to you a land with fine and large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt." Out of the house of slavery. Amos is saying, remember. This is what God said. He's going to bless you so significantly and give you all these things. But if you forgot, then there was going to be trouble. And I think the people who would have heard Amos speak would have, would have heard Deuteronomy 6 rattling around in their brain. Which begins, hear, O Israel, Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's where Jesus gets that. Well, we go forward, and uh, after he reminds them, i got to remember where I am now. Uh, we're going to skip a little bit more. Here we go, verse 21. Uh, again, he reminds them, like, the connection between justice and worship. And he starts off, says, I hate Again, it's simple, I think. Hard to hear, but it's simple. The worship that is pleasing and acceptable to God is, well, according to Psalm 51, like a clean heart. But a clean heart has to do a lot with how you live in justice or not in the world. A clean heart has a lot to do with how you live in right relationship with your neighbor, your neighbor across the street, and maybe your neighbor across the world. What we do here, what Sam so capably and wonderfully leads us in every Sunday, which includes the call to worship and, and everything forward, uh, this part is part of, part of our worship, which includes our response, too. At the end, all of this does not matter if we are not seeking to live with justice and with righteousness. Now, uh, part of the problem I had last week was uh, communicating how we are caught up in, in, in big things. Uh, that the injustice that's around us in the world, Vladimir Putin, right? That's hard for us to do anything about. Uh, and, and the question becomes, what we actually think we first have to ask, like, are, are we like Israel? Like, have we looked at our lives and examined whether we are living in justice and righteousness with, the, with our neighbor here and maybe abroad? And are, are, is God saying to us because of that, I hate, I despise your worship? Please, please understand that I'm not saying that, that God does. But, but at the very beginning of, of Lent and, and through this sermon series, I have, I've become convinced that the best way to, to talk about these passages of Scripture is to allow them to ask questions of us. Do I see the injustice in the world at all? Or am I too wrapped up in myself? and my things, to see how maybe some of my participation in those things causes hurt and harm to others? Am I too wrapped up with all my goals that I am mistreating my coworkers so that I can get a little bit ahead? Am I too wrapped up with myself that I am am smearing people's reputations all over the place? so that I can be more cool and more popular. That's not just a middle school thing or a high school thing, by the way. Am I too wrapped up with success that I will stop at nothing to get what I think that I want instead of trusting in the goodness and grace of God? Part of loving our neighbor as ourselves starts with asking those questions. Um, It's easy, though, uh, apart from those personal examples, to, to look, and this is where I was going just a bit ago, to look at all of the injustice in the world and think, I am just one person. What in the world can I do? I maybe can can participate in in a little things, but it really doesn't change anything. Maybe I advocate for things on social media. Maybe I go to a rally, but maybe that doesn't really change anything. I want us to end up, though, right here. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That even our tiny participation in acts of justice and righteousness and mercy, and compassion. Even, even as we, we make little changes in our own lives to act in justice with, with our neighbors here, and maybe little changes that, that might uh, alleviate some of the suffering that injustice causes, we become a part of a stream of God's justice in the world that over time has tremendous impacts on the landscape. The Colorado River, which goes through the Grand Canyon, is small. As far as rivers is concerned, it's puny if you set it beside the Mississippi River or the Missouri River. And yet, you can see the effects of it from space. The question for us then, is am I willing to allow myself to be caught up in the stream of God's justice and righteousness? Knowing that as I flow along the river, I may never see the impact of the things that I do, but trusting that God is working in that stream. To remake the landscape from something that is dry and broken into something that is good and right and whole and restored. I think, I think, that on that webpage that I made you go to, that all of those things, participating in them, supporting them, are acts of justice and righteousness. Uh, That maybe in helping with a house that takes care of mothers who are pregnant, that you might do a little bit that changes the course, maybe not of the whole landscape, but the, well, that person's landscape. The flow of their river. Uh, Maybe if in participating in the food bank that the Court Street Church does and invites everybody to participate in, you might help alleviate some kind of hunger, but maybe not all over the world, but that it might open your eyes to the injustice that causes people to be hungry. Maybe if you participate in the Center for Women's Ministry and you walk in solidarity with women who have had trouble and trauma and abuse you might be able to see and identify the brokenness and the injustice that causes those things, systemic poverty and alcoholism and abuse. And then maybe that, as your eyes are opened to the injustices that cause these things, that you might begin to work to change those things. Knowing the world may not look much different than it is when you are done, but that when you come to church, when you sit and read your Bible, when you listen to music, that you will have worshipped well, and that it will be pleasing and acceptable to God. And you will have sought the Lord and you will live. And maybe more importantly, as you have sought the Lord, someone else will live. We're going to, our time of response, this is our response every week, by the way. uh, As it has been for Christians for 2,000 years. Uh, During our time of response as you come through, and and we often do this. um, My questions went away. That's really disappointing. I want you to, oh, here we go. I want you to think about these. Can you switch those? Can you switch that and make that be in front of the, the, I don't know if you can change that. As As you come, as you wait in line slowly, I want you to reflect on this. What injustice do I see around me? I'm sorry for not capitalizing that I. How have I not lived in justice and righteousness with my neighbor? How can I work for justice and righteousness in my community? Or maybe put differently, how can I take up my spot as a little drop of water in a stream of God's righteousness and justice in the world? If we can, I wanna leave those questions up. Well, actually, I'll leave them up when we get there. Don't move them, sorry. I forgot what I was doing. Sorry, Sam. I know, I know. Um, I, will, I will tell you that um, most of the time when there, is, uh, when there is technical trouble, it is not the person who's running the stuff. It's the people who set it up. Me and Sam. So I'm going to invite you, as, after we read our liturgy, I'm going to invite you to, to contemplate. Those will be up on the screen at the end there. And, and regardless of what you've heard today and, and your answer to those questions, if you want to stop and ponder them and pray over them, appear as some people like would like to do, feel free to do that. And then head back to your seat or however you want to do it. There's no rules. Well, kind of, but not really. But let's pray before we do this. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this message. And ultimately, the hopefulness in it is that you've not just spoken a word of condemnation to us, uh, but that you've pointed out maybe our sinfulness, And the way we go about responding to that sinfulness and and a change of life and repentance. Lord, we're often really, really blind to injustice in our world. We're blind to unrighteousness, too. And so in this moment, as as we respond to your word as we respond to your justice, which was giving yourself for the sake of a broken and lost humanity who didn't love you, but defeating sin and death and raising from the dead, as we respond to that good news, help us to take up our place in the stream of your justice and righteousness that's already beginning to flow throughout our world. Help us to be patient as we see, well, as we don't see maybe, the positive effects of, of participating in your work in the world. Help us to trust and rest that in you, the landscape scape changes. That it's turned from a dry an arid land, into green and lush forest and pasture. Help us to be part of that. Help us to love you. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.